you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. All right, well, this summer uh, we are um, in a series that we're calling Tell a Good Story. And so what we're doing over the summer is we're just tackling some famous stories from scripture. And so if you're with us uh, last week, uh, we talked about the whole story of Jericho. So the people of God uh, march around the city of Jericho and the wall came tumbling down. And this weekend, we're going to do a story in the book of Judges about a lady named Deborah. I know it's a sermon everybody's heard in their life a bunch, but it's okay. We're still going to tackle. So you go one book over from the book of Joshua And we're in the book of Judges. It's going to be on the screen, or you can check it out in your Bible. So here's chapter 4, verse 1. After Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Herosheth Hagoim. So... Typically, we have people from church who will get up and read the scripture. Nobody wanted to read, it, read that scripture. I'm not sure why. Doesn't seem that hard, okay? Uh, and then uh, the next one. Uh, because, why? Why is Sisera of Hagoim so scary? Because he had 900 chariots. And he had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And they cried to the Lord for help. And so Deborah, a prophetess, the wife, check it out, of Lapidoth, amazing, was leading Israel at that time. So I got us all the way through uh, today. Somebody else next week can carry us. So if we're going to talk about Deborah, we need to talk about little Debbie. Can we talk about little Debbie in the house of the Lord today? So let's talk about the greatest little Debbie of all time, all right? So not trying to divide the people of God today but just sort of wondering where, like, my oatmeal cream pie people are, all right? Okay, some of us. Okay, uh, how about, how about, like, the little mini donuts, right, that maybe some of you might say, okay, no, all right, no, no that's fine. Um, how about zebra cakes? Any, like, zebra cake? Oh, we got a whistle in the front from Mr. Chepke's, love it. Um, okay, I would say my personal favorite, before we do that, um, let's do, how about like the Nutty Buddies, all right, anybody like those? Okay, um, in a former season of my life, not so much anymore, I was known to rock the Swiss case rolls, those were my favorite, yes, I, you are my people, yeah, love it. Oh, little, little Debbie. So here's what's going on in the book of Judges. So here's sort of a map of the world that we're talking about. So if you remember, uh, the people of God are divided, separated, grouped into 12 different tribes. So here's a little map that sort of shows some of that. So like Manasseh is in the north, Simeon's in the south. We've got Reuben, Ephraim, Gad, kind of all over the place. So that yellow arrow in Ephraim, it's pretty near Jericho actually, is where we find Deborah. So here's the list of the judges. So here's what's happened. So Joshua has died. So Joshua has taken over for Moses, 
right? He's died, and this is before Israel gets a king, and we know that that's King Saul. But we have this like 400-year period in between Joshua, who's leading us, and then Saul, who's going to lead us. And so what happens is we step into a season where the judges, a group of 12 men and women, lead the nation of Israel. Like they make the big decisions. Like they help guide us. And so here's the list. And Deborah happens to be the only woman in this list. So I've got Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar. There's amazing names today, Invitation Church. Let's go. Deborah, Gideon, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Ibzan, Elon, Abdon, Samson. Just kidding. Samson. I just had to do that at the end. So that's the list. So what do, we, what do we hear about what's going on, though? We hear that Israel, once again, has done evil in the sight of the Lord. And so we don't know exactly what's going on, but I've got some good guesses about what's going on. Probably has something to do with idolatry, uh, about trying to replace the God that they know with this other kind of God that they've heard about that has risen up in the land. Remember, in the world that we live in, there's lots of names. There's lots of names who want to claim power. Lots of names who want to claim control. In the name of the God of Israel is Yahweh. And so what's Moses doing? What's Joshua doing? They're trying to lead people into relationship with Yahweh. Like he's a close God. He's a personal God. He's a good God. He's an available God. Like, follow him, serve him, love him. Don't go chasing after all of these other gods. And idolatry really centers around this idea that you would seek what God gives you in someone or something else. And we might be tempted today to go, well, no, we don't have idols. Come on. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says. An idol is something that if you lost it, would make life not worth living. So what's the thing that if you lost it? What's the thing that if you lost it would create panic in your soul? That's the doorway to idols entering our story. So Israel has done evil in the sight of the Lord. And I just want to remind us today that your life, is going to unfold in the sight of many people. Your life's going to unfold in the sight of many people, and I know this will be shocking to you. I know you'll all write it down at the same time. The applause will not be unanimous applause. Like your life is going to unfold in front of all kinds of people with different ways of life and different values. And the applause to your life's not going to be everybody. It's going to be like the moment during the State of the Union. Can we talk about that? Where somebody's up front with a microphone and there's a speech happening and half of the room is doing what? Clapping, cheering, yeah, you go, tell them. And what are the other people doing? If we're going to follow Jesus, we better be ready for that. We better not expect that everybody, let's go here, even within our own families, will stand and applaud 
the Jesus way. Not even all of the people that we like to go to dinner with on a regular basis, oh good, the Johnsons are free, let's go tonight, are going to stand and applaud the Jesus way. And so let's be careful that we don't build a life that is centered around not what's happening in the sight of the Lord, but what's happening in the sight of people. Because Israel, we're told, does evil in the sight of the Lord. And so if there's something you're going to pursue in life, something you're going to, chain, you're going to chase after in life, like let's ask God what his perception is. Let's ask God what he sees. Like uh, another person is not a good source of your faithfulness in your walk with Jesus. They're not a good person to ask if you are walking faithfully with God. God's a good person to ask if you're walking faithfully with God. Because like they're another person. So let's be sure, Nation of Israel, Invitation Church, like let's ask God if faithfulness is unfolding in our story. Let's not look around to what everybody else, oh, am I okay? Am I doing it right? Am I getting it? Am I like following the footsteps? No, let's go before the face of Jesus and let's ask him, the one who has died for us, raised us to life, the one whose spirit lives and reigns and rules within us. Let's ask him. Because you're going to live in front of the sight of a bunch of people. There's a cycle in the book of Judges. Here's the cycle. Uh, They rebel. So this, if you're wondering, this is like 1,300 years before Jesus comes on the scene. 1,300 years before Jesus. So they rebel. Say, no, we don't want to do it that way. We're not interested in having that for supper, actually. There's an uprising. They rebel. Well, then what happens when they rebel? Then they lose their freedom. Like, there are consequences for rebellion, turns out. And then they repent. There's a, there's a turning of heart and a turning of behavior that happens. And they are restored to a relationship with God. You're going to watch this all the way through the book of Judges. Like, if you go home and say, hey, you know what? This is going to kind of kickstart my Judges Bible reading. May the Lord bless you and keep you do that. But here's what you're going to notice. You're going to notice rebellion, loss of freedom, repentance, restoration. Rebellion, loss of freedom, repentance, restoration, all the way through the book of Judges. So verse 1, Israel once again did evil in the sight of the Lord. Then verse 2 says that God sold them into Jabin and Sisera's hand. So we got to talk about that. God sold them? I'm not sure if that makes anybody in the house uncomfortable. But the, what Scripture's telling us, the testimony of Scripture, is that God sold the Israelites into the hands of a foreign nation. Like, this is how serious God is. When it comes to like who are the kind of people that he has called us to be. And I just want to tell the church today that this is not something that God does with joy. 
God's not like, yes, I've been waiting to get rid of these people. I can't wait. Here's some available people. Jabin, Sisera, take them. And then God goes on vacation. This is something that God does with grief. But his grief does not stop him from selling them into the hands of the Canaanites. And we see this kind of all over Scripture. Like, what's this all about? Like, Israel, I think we can think of a canvas. Here's a canvas that I got at Michael's this week. Like, Israel, the people of God, like, they're a canvas. And and what are they supposed to display? Like, they're supposed to display what God is like. So many of you don't know this, but I'm actually an artist. So, I don't know why some of you are laughing or mean. But canvases are cool. I feel like artists sit, so that's why I'm sitting. Well, my cap just flew off. This is getting dramatic, you guys. So if I were to draw, you know, just like me, like my, my image in the world, you know? I feel like artists also do that. So, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like it's kind of strong. I don't know. Let's, we could just do, like, B minus, you know? Uh, like, you can tell what it is. But it's not an accurate depiction of what this is. And, and, and why does God punish people in scriptures? It's because he needs to widen the door to the kingdom of God. And he's not okay with his image in his people not reflecting actually what he's like. So there's work that has to be done. And so I actually am okay, even though I'm filled with grief, I'm okay sending you to Canaan. Because you're the canvas that's going to display my glory, my character, my goodness, my faithfulness. And I need more people to get their eyes on who I am so that they can come into the kingdom. And so I have to widen the door because the God who sells the Israelites into the hands of the Canaanites is the same God who says in John chapter 3, For I have so loved the world that I gave. I so loved the world that I gave myself, like my very heart, so that what? So that more people would know, so that the living room would be noisier than it is, with laughter and clinking glasses and fork scraping plates, But there would be more belonging, more grace, more power, more love. And I'm not going to allow you to limit my image in the world. So I'm in grief. I'm willing to sacrifice and give. B minus. I'm not really an artist. This is your first week. You know that by now. So verse 3. We find that Sisera cruelly oppresses Israel for 20 years. And Israel cries out. And whenever you hear about crying out in the scriptures, here's three things we can talk about. We can talk about crying out comes in times of distress. 
Like in times of pain, in times of anguish, in times of hardship. Like this is Psalm 13. Like how long, O Lord? Like will you forget me forever? And we can also talk about crying out as experiencing distance from God. God, where are you? God, I'm like so displaced from your presence. Like I can't get my eyes on you anymore. It's like when you're walking the trail with somebody and they get so far ahead of you that like you can't even see them anymore. And crying out, wait for me. There's this distance that Israel experiences in their life with God, but then there's this sorrow. It's like, ah, oh, it's like this, this ache. It's this desire for connection because I'm in distress and there's distance and then I'm experiencing sorrow. And this happens for 20 years. The Israelites cry out. So I just want to remind somebody today that God's still listening. 20 years. 20 years from now, I'm going to be pushing 60. 20 years. And I feel like that's a long time, and 60 is not old, so I'm real excited for the next couple decades. 20 years. God responds and he listens to their cry. He listens to their distress. He listens to their distance. He listens to their anguish and he responds. And so I was like, okay, can we get to little Debbie? Of course we can get to little Debbie. And she rises up and she encourages like the people of Israel to step into the promise that had been given to them and to defeat the Canaanites. So verse 4, Deborah the prophetess was leading Israel at the time and, and she stirs up this guy, Barak. You know, I don't know if you have somebody in your life who's a hesitator. Anybody got somebody in their life who's a hesitator? It's like, hey, what would she have for supper tonight? Uh, I don't know. Or this is my favorite, like when you're driving and you come to a four-way stop. Come on, Toby, it's your turn. Right? Barrack's a hesitator. Or like in middle school basketball, this is my favorite example. I love watching middle school basketball. It's just it's incredible. There's a lot of hesitation going on. And we all like to go to the corner of the basketball court, and that's where we hesitate. We're not sure what to do with it. This is where Barak is in his life. And Deborah is like, take your men, take your people, and go take back the land that God's promised to you. Like, I'm leading Israel. This is what God is saying. Go and do that. And Barak's like, well, I'm only going to do it if you come with Everybody been there in life. I'm not going to do it alone. Like, who wants to follow God in isolation? Who wants to be the only one to stand up? 
Like in a classroom when everyone's hand is down, like why would you raise your hand? And Barak hesitates. And so Deborah does what leaders do when people won't follow. Fine, I'll come with you. And Deborah comes with him and they defeat the Canaanites and they step into this new season of life in the nation of Israel. That they're no longer existing, standing underneath the rule of Jabin and Sisera. Two names that bow face down to Jesus. Face down to God Almighty. Face down to Yahweh. That they're existing underneath and within and by and through and alongside that name. And that's the name that saves. So the word of God is the will of God revealed. Because Barak's like, well, what should I do? I don't know. I'm frozen. I'm in the corner of the basketball court with the ball, and I'm just doing this. Anybody been in that moment in your life? Just pass the ball, pass the ball. He's wild. This is what Barak's doing. I don't know what the next step is. And this is just a place that we all step into in life, isn't it? Like, what's the next thing? What's the next decision? And Deborah's like, hey, God's saying something here. Like, he's revealing himself. And it isn't that you don't know what to do. It's just that you don't have confidence in the thing that God's telling you to do. So the word of God's the will of God revealed. And I don't know about you, like I don't have all the answers for what I'm supposed to do in my life, but I got a lot of stuff to work on that's in here. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff. I'm just like looking at the pages. I just passed a thousand. In my Bible, you can get to James, and that's page 1007. There's a lot of stuff to work on. It's like, what's the next thing? Like, let's, let's get at this stuff that he's, caught, like he's nudging us, he's pushing us toward. That the word of, what is the word of, it's the will of God revealed. Like, this is my heart. This is who I am. This is what I'm calling you into. So instead of ignoring this stuff and asking God to answer all of these other things, what if he's answering these things deep inside of your heart through this? What if the word of God is the will of God revealed? Invite the band up as we close this morning. And here's Barak again, that delayed obedience. I think Deborah wants to tell him really is disobedience. That timing matters. They're like, oh, I'll do it later, I'll put it off. And what if later, what if maybe actually means no? Like, what if delayed obedience actually is, is rebellion, as, is turning away from the way of God? I don't know what you feel about Deborah, but I love her. I love that she is willing to lead in hesitation. When other people are unsure, she's sure. Why? Because she's watched God do stuff. So I think we need Deborahs in a community. I think we need Deborahs in a family. And I would say even more than that, here's the last thing today. 
that I think we need to be a Deborah community. What's a Deborah community? Did you learn that in seminary? No. A Deborah community centers around two things. That we would be proclaimers of what is good and what is true and what is beautiful, Philippians chapter 4. And that we would be partners with what is good, what is true, and what is beautiful. Because people need more than just to be told what's good and true and beautiful. People need somebody to walk with them. People need somebody to partner with them. So even when Barak's like, I'll go if you go. And Deborah's like, all right, here I go. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Here I go. In this person's life, in this person's story. And so I think we have an opportunity today to be a community, a Deborah community. Yes to proclaiming and yes to partnering. So I just wonder who the person is in your life that needs to be partnered with. Like they're in the midst of something. They're going through something. And they don't need another sermon. They don't need another long text message from you. They need a person. They need somebody to say, I'm going to enter this with you. So what's Deborah get us ready for? Who does Deborah get us ready for? Deborah gets us ready for Jesus. Because what does Jesus do? Jesus isn't just a proclaimer of what's good and what's true and what's beautiful. Jesus steps into the muck of our world, the brokenness of our world. And what does he do? He partners with human beings to widen the door to his kingdom. I love little Debbie. I love what she calls us to. I love her challenge today. Let's not just be a bunch of people who get really good at proclaiming all of this stuff. It's a thousand pages to the book of James. Let's not just get good at that. Let's also get good in the power of the Spirit and partnering with people and walking with people. Because guess what happens when you partner with people? You have some stuff to say, some stuff to contribute, some life to give. So as we think about the rest of this summer, my prayer for us, for this community, is that when we kick off the fall in September, we have some stories to tell of how we've been a Deborah community. Proclaimers and partners for Jesus' name and in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you today for Deborah, for her story, for this little section of scripture that we often are unsure about what to do with. And we pray, God, just prayers of gratitude and thanks for the people that you have and will bring into our lives to partner with. And God, I pray even now as we're 
just in this moment of quiet reflection, that you would bring those people to mind. Like, who's the person? Who's the barrack in my story? That for whatever reason doesn't need a, another paragraph of words, but instead needs a person to come alongside of them and to be partnered with, with where they happen to be in their life. And God, in so doing, we follow in the footsteps of our risen Lord who is not happy, who is not pleased, who is not willing only to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, but a God who himself embodies the good news of the kingdom. So would you help us by the Spirit to be those kinds of people? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more uh, closing song today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.